Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Uh, Would you please join me in our second scripture reading as we explore the ongoing story of God's extravagant love for the world. Found in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read and scroll the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he was anointed me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many windows in Israel in the time of Elijah widows i'm sorry but the truth is there were many widows in israel in the time of elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a severe famine over all the land yet elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at zarephath in sidon there were also many lepers in israel in the time of the prophet elisha and none of them was cleansed except naaman the syrian when they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Michelle. Whew. You are the bomb. You're the best. Moning and reading. Yes. Hey, uh, before I get into this beautiful portion in which Jesus preaches a very short message and then almost gets killed, uh, very important announce- announcement to make, and that is about our very own Allie Lee. If you read the email this week, you learned that recently the elders had a discussion and had a vote and decided that it was high time to give Allie the title that she has deserved for quite a long time, and that is pastor. 
of kids and teens, no longer director, but now pastor of kids and teens. Uh, we are so, so, so excited about that. She recently finished her MDiv at Denver SEM, and uh, we couldn't bring her on to full time as we had hoped uh, this January, but um, but we did um, some other things that I hope are helpful. So please find a way to extend your heartfelt congratulations and love and appreciation to Allie for all that she does. Uh, Allie, we love you, and we are so honored and thankful and grateful uh, that you are a pastor here at Genesis. So big time yay for Allie. We love you, Allie. Okay, so this portion um, leads me to ask some questions. And the questions are these. What made it possible for Martin Luther King Jr. to be so clear in his calling that despite rejection and misunderstanding that he was able to say these words? And I quote, we've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't really matter because I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. He was so crystal clear about his calling, even though it cost him his life. And what made it possible for Harriet Tubman to be so clear in her calling, despite rejection and misunderstanding, that she was able to say these words with utter conviction? I was the conductor of the Underground Railroad for eight years. And I can say that what most conductors can't say, I never ran my train off the track and I never lost a passenger. She was so clear in her calling, despite so many challenges, so much rejection and so much misunderstanding, that she was able to do what she set out to do. And what made it possible for Allie Lee, Nate DeBoer, and Rachel Nadeau to share their stories on New Beginning Sunday two weeks ago with such honesty, such raw vulnerability, such clarity to a group of people, some of whom they'd never even met. Can I get an amen for those three two weeks ago? Whew, that is courageous. So today I want to talk about what it would mean for you and me and all of us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt what we are put on this earth to be and do. And what if we could lean all the way into that calling without overly internalizing any rejection or misunderstanding that may come? What if you and I could operate on that plane of being so clear in our calling that we could lean into it? and keep walking through it, no matter what rejection or misunderstanding came. That sounds like freedom to me, doesn't it? Oh. So in today's scripture portion, Jesus is going to show us how. So let's go. So how did Jesus understand what he was put on this earth to do? Well, we understand his understanding if we read Luke 4.16, just echoing what Michelle read a few minutes earlier. When he came to Nazareth, where he was from, uh, where he'd been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. It was Isaiah 61 that he read. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And he said these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, 
to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was his calling. That was what he was put on planet Earth to do. Oh, and I love that picture. He reads the, he reads the prophet, but then he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, meaning that's what I'm here to do. That's what I'm all about, to proclaim freedom for captives, to let the oppressed go free. So just like Moses in the Hebrew scriptures, Jesus came to set captives free, all kinds of captives, to proclaim very good news to people who had received only bad news, to restore what had been lost, stolen, to those who had been lost, who had lost so much. So first all play question, um, if we can go there. All play questions are designed to hear the voice of the chorus, not just the solo. And I really believe that we hear God's voice best when we open it up to the community. So here's the all play question. How do you think Jesus came to understand his calling? How do you think Jesus came to understand his calling? You can use the chat to answer. And remember, um, how we get to the fuller understanding is not by answering the right way, but just by giving your answer, whatever comes to mind. And then we take one piece here, one piece there, and we put a beautiful picture together. Um, so Nate DeBoer, he wrestled with it. Yeah, I think he really did. I think he really had to wrestle it down to the ground and understand. And I think he even probably had to say, am I, am I up for this? <laughs> right? Uh, Katie Larson found some things that weren't his calling. Yes. Right? Like he didn't run for political office. He didn't write a book. <laughs> Interesting, right? Um, all right, now we're getting it. Will Lee, I saw a good Twitter thread this week and imagine Mary singing and preaching the Isaiah scriptures over him while she breastfed him and mothered him in myriad ways. Yes. And the reason why I think you're probably right, Will, is if you remember the Magnificat that we that Allie preached on uh, a few weeks ago, it, it echoes the Magnificat almost word for word, right? Uh, so that's really good. Uh, Betsy Hines, solitude, 100%. Yeah, we read over and over again that Jesus withdrew and got alone and prayed and and was took naps, <laughs> even on the boat where the wind was shaking. Uh, Bob, yeah, 30 years of seeing the disconnect as he worked and saw the poor and the rich work together. Al, he probably tried to run away from it a lot or second guess it given his mamzerness. What a Hebrew nerdy word. Mamzer means person who is born out of wedlock. And so he would have received a lot of shame. Most scholars agree that most people of Jesus' time knew that he wasn't really Joseph's son, but obviously didn't believe that he was born um, of a virgin. So yes, yes, probably try to run away from that because he was going to receive a lot of rejection. Elizabeth, being willing to allow his calling to reveal itself rather than pushing what he may have wanted his calling to be. Am I just talking to myself here? No, Elizabeth, you're totally right. Exactly, right? So often we have a picture in our minds about what calling could be, should be, even should be you know, should be, I should uh, be huge and have a huge impact versus what our actual calling might be. Um, so good. And yes, defining things that aren't your calling, so much clarity in that, Reagan says. And 
Enoch says, yes, Bob, I've always thought of that, the 30 years of, uh, of, of seeing the disconnect. Oh, you guys, I mean, we're going to go until, you know, noon or more uh, if, if you keep answering such beautiful, such beautiful questions. Well, so yes to all those things, how Jesus discovered his calling. Yes to all those ways and more, right? And more. Uh, so how, how did this sermon go? <laughs> he unrolls the scroll, reads from Isaiah 61, rolls it back up, gives it back to the attendant, says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. We read in verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. So it's going pretty well so far. The approval numbers are strong early on in his, <laughs> in his calling. But then, as it always seems to go, a little seed of doubt is sown. We read in the portion, they said, hold on, is this not Joseph's son? And that's a nod to the Mamzerness. Is this not Joseph's son? Which wink, wink, nod, nod. We all know that this isn't really Joseph's son, which means that he has no authority really to be saying these words in this gracious way. This does not fit in our theological box to have someone that would be born out of wedlock to be so powerful and prophetic in nature. So um, they say this out loud. And what's fascinating is that Jesus has the security to not sidestep that insult, to not ignore that insult. He goes right after it. Can I get an amen for the boldness of Jesus? So in verse 23, he responds to that. Isn't this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless, you will quote me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. Cure yourself of what? Of your mamzerness. <laughs> cure yourself of your uncleanness. Cure yourself of your inability to be a prophet, really. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we heard you did at Capernaum. Basically, if you are who you say you are, prove it, right? We all get this all the time. If you really are who, who you say you are, prove it. But he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah. when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months. And there was a severe famine on the land. So there was lots of widows from the children of Israel. Yet Elijah was sent to none of those widows. He was sent to a widow of Zarephath in Sidon, who was not a child of Israel. Then in verse 27, there were also many lepers in Israel, many lepers from the children of Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, but none of those was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. <laughs> Second all-play question. Now, now it's getting hot, you guys, real hot. Why does Jesus tell the stories of the widow at Zarephath and Naaman? Why does Jesus tell these fine, upstanding synagogue goers, the stories of the widow at Zarephath and Naaman the Syrian. Why does he do that? Why does he bring those? I mean, now, now it's just story time, right? We all know these stories. Naaman the Syrian, it's in the Hebrew scriptures. You know, he had leprosy. He got cleansed by dipping in the water. Um, and then Apparently, there were lots of widows in Israel who needed the help from the prophet. He was sent to none of them. God helped none of them, but he did help someone that was not from Israel. Why does Jesus include these stories, you guys? I'll give you time to pre 
to compose your answers, clicky-clack. You see Will has a big thought. Yeah, here we, here we go. Well, the people who are healed and blessed in these stories are in the out group of the time. Yep. None of whom are present in the synagogue in the moment. The people who are healed and blessed in those stories are in the out group at that time. Now, the challenge for us, you guys, and it's a big challenge, um, is to not hear this and think, oh, those losers, how could they miss the point? If we were in the room, we would be championing the underdog, wouldn't we? We would be championing the underdog. Um, put yourself in, in the position, like who is the group of people that you think don't deserve to be helped? Who is the person that you think, Ugh. I mean, in your heart of hearts, like you wouldn't probably say it out loud, but there's a group of people or a person that you feel like does not deserve um, to be helped or to be healed. Uh, Dave Schlink, tangential, but how predictable is it that they all believe he wasn't Joseph's son? It was someone else's. So they believe Joseph, not Mary. 100%. Jenny Gullickson, the year of the Lord's favor is for more than just God's people. Yes. And then TJ, it's the whole, who are my brothers? Uh, I got to get back to the, oh my gosh, this is so good. Um, it's the whole, who are my brothers and mother's point. Yep. That Jesus says, and then Molly Riley, uh, that God has always gone outside the box and colored outside the lines. I love that. Preach Molly. Uh, Betsy, he's reminding them of who they are called to make space for. Yeah. And it's a real, apparently a real tender point or not even tender point, but contentious point, because when he says these things, it doesn't land very well on them. And mob mentality sets out in verse 28. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Ali says, under Roman occupation, synagogue goers likely identified with the oppressed underdogs. Jesus is like, hold on, maybe it's the opposite. Wow. The people that you think are oppressing you are also objects of God's love. How can that be, right? That's not fair. So the mob was so enraged, they tried to throw Jesus, this person that they all grew up with, off a cliff. <laughs> he really touched a nerve, right? Um, it would kind of be like President Joe Biden speaking to a group of progressive Democrats and saying, you know, you guys, I think, uh, I think, the, I think the swamp really does need to be drained, probably. And, you know, I think the idea of making America great again was actually pretty good. I don't think that would go over very well, right? Well, in the face of such a mob and such anger, Jesus, quote, passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Now, what does that mean? You know, I grew up hearing this story, and I always assumed it meant 
that it was like a miracle, you know, like he was like almost became like a ghost for a second and passed through them. And maybe it was some kind of miracle. I'm open to that. I'm open to that. But maybe it's also a way of saying there's a way of being so sure of your calling. Uh, no matter what reject that, no matter what kind of rejection and misunderstanding you face, it's possible to pass through the midst of that rejection and just go on your way. Whew. It's possible not to take it personally. It's possible not to overly internalize it. It's possible just to keep walking on your way and move through the crowd and move through that rejection and keep doing your deal. Like Harriet Tubman did, like Martin Luther King Jr. did, like Allie, Nate, and Rachel did last week, and like so many of us do every single week. Like all you teachers, there's a lot of teachers on the call right now. It's been such a difficult year, such a difficult two years, such a difficult two and a half years. You've been stretched to your limit, right? Yeah, you have this calling of loving and accepting kids providing a space for them to grow and learn. And you've been faced with such challenges and such shortcomings and no one gets it. Same for health workers, healthcare workers right now, such a shortage of compassion, such a shortage of, of time and energy, yet you keep showing up. Um, and in a way, you're just passing through the midst of that rejection and going on your way. Um, and I'm so proud of you and I, and I love it so much. And yes, you're right, Kara. <laughs> that is the great St. Taylor Swift saying, shake it off. I love Taylor Swift so much. You guys know that. So last all play question. What is it that helps you keep walking toward your calling when you feel rejected or misunderstood? Oh, and, oh yeah. Reagan. And teacher spouses are like, can't you just ignore your calling and go do something else? Because it's so hard. 100%. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Dave Schlink, passing through the midst is more poetic than through a few elbows. <laughs> yeah, pastors too. Thanks, Jane and Jason. I appreciate that for sure. Um, Bob, what helps you is knowing that you're loved. Yeah. Yeah, knowing that you're loved helps you. Keep walking toward your calling when you feel rejection or misunderstood. But what else? What, what helps you? What helps you pass through the midst of rejection, misunderstanding? And we do this so imperfectly, right? You know, we do this so imperfectly. None of us does it um, 100% of the time because we're human, right? Uh, TJ says, it's so good to be reminded that you're seen, that you're loved. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Laura, taking the time and space to sink back into that inner knowing of who I am, whose I am. Exactly. Uh, Kara, trusted voices that remind me of my calling. Yep. 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 And Enoch, totally Reagan. Voices from the chorus were real and honest and gracious. Yes. Yes. And that was for Michelle. Okay. Uh, Nate, reassurance from my community. Yep. 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 Sometimes we can't see what we can't see. We need community to see it for us. Sarah, don't let the misunderstandings or rejection define you. Stay true to yourself and your values, 100%. Yes. Allie, remembering Jesus empowered women. Yeah. I mean, that's right there in the scriptures over and over again. Jesus empowered women. I think he really looked up to a lot of women, you know. 
Uh, he had a lot of women in his life that, that were amazing. He was like, I can't ignore this. It's amazing. Um, well, keep, um, keep sharing and I'll keep going. Um, I think one of the things that helped Jesus walk toward his calling is found in Luke 4, 14. It's the very beginning of our portion. It was so long, such a long portion, maybe you missed it. <laughs> but Luke 4, 14, then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee and reported about him spread throughout all the surrounding community, filled with the power of the Spirit. Now listen, I think we need lots and lots of resources when we face difficult circumstances, all the things that were mentioned. We need friends, we need family, we need counselors. Sometimes medication. Can I get an amen for that? Yes, I do. But you guys, sometimes I wonder if we forget that we also genuinely need God. We genuinely need God when we face these rejections, these misunderstandings, when we face a crisis of our calling. Right before this scene that we read in Luke 4, uh, Jesus had been in the wilderness fasting for 40 days, being tempted and learning to rely on God to give him what he needs in the face of devastating circumstances, hunger. And, um, oof. okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch up here. I feel this ugly blech when someone says, have you prayed about it or talked to God? No, maybe, but can you human just hug me and hold my pain? Yes. Yes, that's so good. There's so many ways that, that God can, can really reach us. Um, and I really think God reaches us in so many ways through a hug, through a, um, through a, um, a kind word. And we need God. We need the divine in our life if we're going to make it through. Um, if we're going to make it into our, all the way into our calling, and all the way into the things that God has called us to do, we will need to be filled with the Spirit. And um, to be filled with the Spirit is a gift from God, to be sure. But I think it's also a result of any person who keeps facing difficulties and turning to God for help and empowerment. Not in some cheesy way, not in, as you said so well, Michelle, not, have you prayed about it? But in a desperate good way, turning to God and letting God help you in whatever way God wants to help you. Turning toward God for help in the face of difficulty over and over again, however imperfectly is what it means to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So they got up, drove them out of the town, and led him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. He did that because he was, he had something. Uh, have you ever met someone with cancer who suddenly realizes how precious life is and what's really important? When the scaffolding of life is taken away and your true self is revealed, that is when you're filled with the spirit. You become bold and you're able to pass through the midst of things which used to take you out. Um, you may know what your true calling is, you guys, and you may not. Here's what I'd suggest for all of us to practice in the coming days. When you face challenges of any kind, instead of pressing the dig deep button or giving up because it's too hard, simply stop 
turn your attention to, to the divine and ask for help and then be open to how that help might come. And don't say no to help when it's offered to you from human beings. Minnesotans have such a way of saying, no, I'm good. No, it's okay. No. And when you're involved in doing something, you guys, that lights you up so much that you lose track of time and you feel like you're 100% being your true self, take note of that because that may be a clue about why you've been put on planet earth. So ask for help, let God help you, turn to the divine, receive the help in whatever way that it may come. And then next, look for things that light you up. Look for things that really you lose track of time with. Maybe it's having a great conversation with a friend. Maybe it's helping those in need. Um, maybe it's reading a story to a group of kids. Um, pay attention to that because that might be why you've been put on planet earth. And then write that down. Write that down. And then lastly, when you are rejected and misunderstood, take a page out of the wonderful book, The Four Agreements. And one of the agreements in The Four Agreements is this, don't take anything personally. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? <laughs> it could sound like pie in the sky idealism, but when you break it down, it really means that everybody's strong reaction to you is about you, not them. I mean, sorry, them, not you. COVID brain is hitting me right now. <laughs> it's about them, not you. So friends, may you come to discover the reason that you were put on planet Earth. May you learn to pass through the midst of it when you face rejection and misunderstanding. May you turn to God over and over again until you are so full of the Spirit that you are utterly free. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.